0: The DudeCast is brought to you by NHS Employers, in partnership with the NHS Leadership Academy. So welcome to base, King's Cross, which is UCL's Entrepreneurship Centre. This area here is what we call our event space, and it is our drop-in.
1: Hello, I'm Karen Dumain from the NHS Leadership Academy and co-lead for DuoD. The person showing me around a modern, airy basement in a North London offshoot of University College London is Charlotte Croffey, until recently, Director of Entrepreneurship at UCL. Earlier this year at a D event, Charlotte spoke about her journey from OD to entrepreneurship. I was so intrigued by this crossover of two seemingly very different areas, that I wanted to meet her to find out more about the similarities and skills that enabled her to make the move from Director of OD to nurturing start-up businesses. So the role of Director of Entrepreneurship seems quite different to the role of an Organisational Development Director. So could you talk about more about what the links are or the similarities?
0: They, they do sound very different at first glance, but in terms of the similarities, I think there are many. First of all, the Director of Organisational Development the role is about understanding how the organisation works, it's about understanding its processes, it's about your stakeholder analysis, as understanding how you market what you do and how you sell that and how you engage the people within the organisation and external to it. In terms of the entrepreneurship, the similarities are as an entrepreneur. You need to be very, very clear about what it is you're trying to deliver and what you're trying to achieve. And then you have to develop strategies in order to get there. And those strategies involve understanding your stakeholders, um, it involves understanding processes, it, it involves understanding how you're going to take something to market, um, and how you engage more broadly with people internal and external to your own organisation or your own setup. And those are the clear links with organisational development. I think the clear link between both of them also is the people element. Um, And it's how you operate within structures, but how you enhance the value that people bring within those areas.
1: That's really interesting. And how did your three pathways come about? What was the work that you did to enable that to happen?
0: So one of the things that we introduced were the pathways for entrepreneurship. And the pathways are pathway one, which is entrepreneurship, which is for individuals who have that mindset whereby they're ready to start something on their own, be it commercial value or social value. We have the second pathway, which I call the consultant pathway, and I'll come back to that. And then we have the third pathway, which is the intrapreneurship pathway. The intrapreneurship pathway is a mechanism for us to engage staff. And so what we've decided is across the institution, we already have people who are intrapreneurs, they just don't label themselves as that. So you have colleagues who constantly look at something and think I can make this better or we can tweak this process and it can be much more effective or much more efficient. Um, It also enables them to come and look at things such as how you engage with with your clients, how you engage with your customers, how you market what it is you do, how you articulate what it is you do and how you demonstrate the value add. And in many organisations, we're having to do that more and more, and we're having to do more with less. So the entrepreneurship mindset and pathway helps people to actually develop and um, explore some of those skills that they might be using.
1: Right. So, how far as um, a member of, worked in UCL? How would I step onto one of the pathways?
0: Well, the way in which you would do, you step onto a pathway would be to contact the entrepreneurship team. Some people come to us with an idea. Some people don't even have an idea. They just have heard about us and want to know what we do. And our triage officers are trained. To ask the questions in terms of what it is that you want to do and then we through a series of questions and assessments will enable you to make a decision as to which is the best pathway for you to follow
1: i know it's fairly new but what success have you already seen or demonstrated somehow
0: the successes have been many we started by um, aligning this year some of the programs with the training competitions so what we have done is we've introduced various um, menus if you like and those menus have enabled staff and students to follow a particular pathway at the end of that they've been able to put themselves forward for competitions where they can translate some of that knowledge um, into something tangible for staff we've had um, uh, about four or five of them who've gone through since December, January, where they've come to us with some ideas and we've looked at the entrepreneurship um, pathway and we've taken the ideas and some of them have been ideas that we think can be commercialized and we've underwritten the risk. So there's that. And in doing so, we've been able to help backfill their positions so they can concentrate on this new uh, venture without having to worry about potentially losing their jobs. So.
1: I really like that about the, the staff and the students like working and opportunities and working together to build that organisational health. Because I remember when you spoke in March and you talked about how it's a way of building organisational resilience. Absolutely. Could you talk a bit more about that, just to explain that?
0: In terms of the organisational resilience, I think all of us know that we're living in an environment which is constantly changing. Um, On any given day, a number of issues may come across your desk and you are expected to deal with them um, and then do the day job as well. So the resilience is around how we support our, our people. And when I say our people, I'm talking about all the communities, our students, our staff, our alumni, those who would benefit from having a relationship with UCL to be more comfortable with this. Traditionally, I'll be shot for this, but I'll say it anyway. Traditionally within academia, we have been very used to doing things in a particular way. And so, therefore, um, academic institutions have not always been as open to change as they project themselves to be. Um, I don't think it's just just for academia. I think, I think it's that all organisations. well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, I so we talk about change a lot, yes. but when it comes to it, there's an, an element of resistance, and sometimes that resistance is because they don't know what's on the other side. So, enabling our people to become more comfortable with change and to do change in a safe to fail way enables them to think about how the organisation also can adjust. So, in higher education, for example, with the introduction of fees and then higher fees, there is uh, a bigger demand in terms of um, the expectations and as institutions, higher education institutions, we need to be able to recognise that the model has changed. It is not that people are coming just for the education, they want something in addition. So the ability to improve on the student experience, the ability to become an employer of choice where you support your staff to develop in in ways that enables them to do their own job, but also maybe to do a, a, a job that they might be interested in doing in a different part of the organisation is where the resilience
1: comes in. So it's, uh, what really strikes me is in looking at the blockers and the enablers and having to do that OD lens almost around um, looking at that whole picture of the people and the systems and the processes. So was that some of the methodology that we, you were using in setting up your pathways and getting some of this moving? Absolutely. Um, I can
0: categorically say the organisational development techniques and knowledge helped in setting up the pathways. I think they were instrumental because from the organisational development lens, you have to look at things from a holistic point of view. So if an idea, let's say it's it's a service area one person may be able to deliver that service but only to get to a particular point then you need to bring other people on board the organizational development lens enables you to start thinking about the people aspects so when you bring people on board what do they need to do what skills do they need to have how are they going to be translating this how do you work in teams how does that individual then become a leader for me that's part of what organizational development is it's looking at whole so looking at all of the systems and looking at all of the various different areas so organisational development methodologies in terms of how you engage and how you progress things were were instrumental
1: because it's a whole system piece is there that two-way traffic with the organisational development and the other elements like staff engagement and pieces there are
0: links um, in terms of career development and career pathways. We are engaged with uh, career service who work very closely with HR and organisational development around internships and developing capacity to enable people to manage talent better, so succession planning and so on and so forth. So there are those links that exist. As a team, we're clearer about what entrepreneurship means at UCL. We're clearer about what we do and what we can do. And we're clearer about the target groups that we want to work with. And we're on the verge of now um, increasing the awareness around that and increasing the demand. And with that will come more and more opportunities to work alongside HR organisational development and the rest of the organisation.
1: And it strikes me that it was really benefited from your your roots and your background in organisational development because you've been able to put that lens on it. And now as you're talking, saying, well, this is where we are now and this is where we want to go in the future. So could you talk a little bit more about what the next phase is or what you see as the next part of this?
0: So in terms of entrepreneurship, um, the next stage is, as I said, for us to embed the various different pathways all of that links into our strategy, so UCL2034, one of the strands is <coughs> how we develop our people, and that falls within that strand, as it does being innovative, being creative, um, being a generous partner where we look at various ways that we engage with other communities, um, and that clu- includes local communities, regional communities and the global community as well.
1: I'm really struck by your use of community and pulling people together like that. I think that we, too much in the NHS, we don't necessarily do that. We still have separation and we work trying hard, you know, to do the patient at the centre of what we're doing and with staff. And what's been your um, highlight personally for you?
0: So coming into innovation and enterprise, one of the things that we were involved in was the rebranding of what it is we do as a division. And we came up with this mission statement, which is that UCL's innovation and enterprise is a group of specialist teams working with students and staff to encourage a spirit of enterprise, create the links with the outside world, and accelerate UCL's innovation and impact. Now, to me, that encompasses what organisational development is as well. So I think my highlight has been able to marry these two areas of interest for me, but also take it beyond the traditional elements of maybe just working with one group. So beyond working with just staff or beyond working with just students or just researchers, but working across the piece. So I've cheated a bit and I've thrown a lot of things in there, (laughs) but I think that's been a highlight for me.
1: Great Charlotte, that's fantastic, thank you. You're welcome.